This episode of Shamelessly Unapologetic will be discussing matters of eating disorders, having an unhealthy relationship with food, weight loss, and being a bikini competitor and struggling with food during competing. If this is stuff that triggers you, I encourage you to not listen to this episode. If you are struggling with an eating disorder or an unhealthy relationship with food, please know that you are not alone. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Shamelessly Unapologetic with me, your host, Alana Pinsky. I'm sure you already listened to the little trigger warning that I put in the beginning of this episode. I mean everything that I say. We are going to be talking about a lot of sensitive topics in this episode, but I have such a great guest, and she comes with a great message, and she has been the best authority in the bikini competitor world in terms of building a better relationship with food and even if you aren't a competitor and you've still been struggling with an eating disorder this can still be a very good episode for you to listen to if it is something that will not upset you and you want to learn new techniques to learn more about Celeste's program and how she's overcome this herself and learning a little bit more about the dark side of the bikini competition world because there's definitely a lot that can go into it. I sat down with Celeste. She is the host of Confessions of a Bikini Pro podcast. She's been doing this podcast for a few years now and she's been competing since 2015 in the bikini division. Celeste has definitely had a really incredible journey throughout her time competing and building her relationship with food and finishing up her master's degree right now. Sorry, my cat has been going crazy and she will not stop having zoomies she does this every single time i record i can't work around it but anyways i really hope you do enjoy this episode again if these topics do make you uncomfortable please don't feel like you need to listen it's okay you're not gonna hurt my feelings but with that let's go ahead and get into this interview Celeste, hello. Welcome to Shamelessly Unapologetic. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And I love that I have no idea what to expect <laughs> so far as what we'll be talking about. That gets me really excited. Yeah. What were you, I guess, expecting since I guess you didn't know what to expect? Well, I know that your podcast is all about being really honest and real and talking about whether it's trials and tribulations of the past or things people are experts on. So yeah, I'm up for anything. I was like, let's do it. Awesome. I love that so much. Yes. <laughs> this is definitely the place where we are like brutally honest and we have all these conversations where we get very raw and vulnerable. So um, Celeste, why don't you introduce yourself to everyone that's listening? Sure. Well, I am a author of Believe Your Way to Badass. I'm the podcast host of Confessions of a Bikini Pro, and I compete in the NPC as of now, aiming to get to the IFBB in the bikini division. I am currently studying my master's in clinical mental health counseling. I'm really finishing that up right now with the internship phase, I've got my bachelor's degree in psychology, and I've utilized that along with my personal experience with 
disordered eating and body image related issues, as well as mental health struggles and overall mindset and personal development to support other competitors in their relationship with food, their body and their goals. And I've made it my mission to help other people to build more than just a body. I love that. Are you currently in prep now? Yes, I am. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so exciting. We'll, we'll talk all about that in just a sec because I definitely want to hear more about your journey competing as well. And then the, my only other quick question is, is how, long, how much longer do you have left to school? Mm, I'm officially done August 7th. So coming up 17, no, wait, 11. I don't know. It's, it's only, it's going to go by so fast. So yeah, yeah, it's coming up. So like, (laughs) we'll say 11 to 17 more weeks. Yeah. I don't know why I can't (laughs) mentally get there, but it's, uh, I think I'm just taking it one day at a time. (laughs) For sure. I know. I mean, I got my master's a few years ago and I just could not wait to graduate because it was such a dark place in my life. Mm. I graduated with a master's in family sciences. And so I was originally going to go for marriage and family therapy. It did not happen. I'm actually a technical recruiter. So LOL at me not using my degree, but it's it's okay. But yeah, no, so it definitely was like a mix of psychology and sociology about like family functioning and still a little bit of blend of like counseling, but without the clinical part. That was like, what, five years ago, which is crazy. So no, I totally understand about like the excitement of just like wanting to be done already. Yeah. And, you know, I'm enjoying it a lot because I'm in the internship phase. So a lot of it's the hands-on practice and I keep reminding myself every day or anytime I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, like my business and the time and then prep, it's a lot of demand on my plate. But I'm like, every time I feel that way, I'm like, okay, you're going to miss this when it's done. You're going to miss showing up at this center, working with these people, implementing these skills. This is like a once in a lifetime opportunity, really, even though there's not payoff, if you want to say financially, but there's experience and there's hours and there's all that and I get the degree and blah 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 but it's the fact that this is my one time in my life most likely or maybe ever that I'll get this chance to interact with people in this clinical setting and I'm loving it and embracing that and letting it be a guide to what might be next because I have no idea what that looks like for me yeah and I would say at least like the internship is kind of like the fun part I mean you're getting more hands-on which is always exciting. I remember my bachelor's program, I had to do an internship during my last semester. It was the only thing I could do. And it just felt like I wasn't even a student anymore. It felt like I had already graduated. I had my first big girl job. So yeah, I mean, enjoy the ride. And yeah, it's definitely like the best training that you get. And then once you're done, you can finally get your first job in counseling, which is so exciting. Yeah. And honestly, I don't even know if I'm going to do that just to be straight up. Like I really just got into this for my business and then I have no idea what's next. So I'm learning all these skills with the understanding that it's beneficial to me and I enjoy it and whether or not it pays off in any other way, whatever. But yeah, I I really don't know what's next. Yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, cool. So this is one question that I ask every single guest that comes on the show, but what would you say is the biggest thing that you are mostly unapologetic about? <laughs> uh, I've always wanted to do what I love and I've never accepted anything less than that. And I'm unapologetic in my pursuit of doing what I love. Like I will not do something I don't love. Yeah. No, I absolutely love that. And I'm guessing is the thing that you love the most, like helping people with their mindset and trying to overcome challenges of eating. 
Exactly. I love it. I love it. Well, let's <laughs> kind of jump into all of this then. So you mentioned you're currently on prep. I'm really excited to hear more about that. So I want to know how long have you been competing for? I started competing in 2015. That's when I did my first show, November of 2015. Okay. And what show did you do? That was Muscle Contest Iron Games. Iron Games. Okay. So you were out in California? Mm-hmm. Yes. I love it. So I started competing in 2018. So my first show was the Muscle Evolution Championship. It was done by Muscle Sport, but then they recently mm-hmm. got acquired by Spectrum and Muscle Contest. So tell me a little bit more about your journey with competing. And I'm curious to know like how you got into this sport. And then we can talk a little bit more about like the food aspect. And we can just like obviously have a conversation about <laughs> our experience like getting into the sport as well. Cause I'm currently on my off season. Okay. So um what got me into it? Well, I was a person trainer at the time and I had already been into fitness since my junior year well okay no I got into fitness much earlier than my junior year of high school but I started working out at the gym my junior year because I got a volleyball coaching job to pay for my gym membership that's awesome and thank you and then I realized I wanted to see like how far I could push myself I was seeing these people online who were fitness models or online fitness coaches and um I saw some competitors posting as well. And I was like, oh, that would be really cool to try that. And I decided to commit to my first show. So I started prepping for that. And um, after that first show, I realized that bodybuilding was really more of like a crutch for me to say like, oh, the reason I don't eat this or the reason I don't do that is because I'm in prep or it, it became a way for me to say that when really I was struggling a lot with the disordered eating. And that was, that started way before competing. Like a lot of people will blame competing for me. It wasn't that it started much earlier. And so that disordered eating and that distorted image of my body led me to have a negative experience post-show. So after that post-show experience, I really just committed to, and I mean, I rebounded like 30 pounds gained in Mm -hmm. just a few weeks and I was binging and then I was not interested in any food at all. And I didn't want to eat chicken, but then I I couldn't imagine anything else because for years I had restricted. So it was this whole thing. And to make a long story short, that was when I really invested into my business as a trainer and I was becoming an online coach at the time. And that led me down pathways of personal development. And I realized how much I loved personal development and the mindset work I was doing in order to grow my business. And at the time as well, with struggling and coming to terms with struggling with my relationship with food, I was like, now's my time to heal this. So I was throwing shit at the wall to make this happen for myself. Like I was trying everything I could and I wasn't getting much help. And unfortunately, a lot of mental health advocates tend to look down on athletes and competitors it seems like I think that's changing more now but it Mm -hmm. does happen it does yeah so I was like really in it for like resolving that myself so I was working on my body image working on my relationship with food I was transforming the way that I thought about myself and my goals and I decided in 2017 I wanted to compete again now I had made I had done really well for myself. I learned how to listen to my body. I had practiced a lot of the mindfulness-based eating strategies I teach people now. I had understood and developed more of a connection with my body that I'd never had before. It was no longer about needing to prove that I was worthy as a trainer or prove that I had done all this work. It wasn't about that anymore. 
it became, I wanted to show people you could compete and have your mental health, which is funny because at the time I wasn't, (laughs) I wasn't doing what I'm doing in my business now, but that was like the goal. Yeah. And I started studying psychology because I just had so much more interest in that. When I started in clinical nutrition and dietetics, I was not enjoying it. I didn't want to tell people what to eat. I wanted to understand why people were eating. So I switched to psychology. And um, as I was studying that, I competed all 2018. Then I took some more time off. 2018 is when I launched my podcast. My podcast revealed to me that the work I was doing in general population niche I already started moving away from the fitness coaching by this time, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I had launched my Believe Your Way to Badass work, a lot of my work transition book, a lot of my work transition to personal development coaching. And then when I launched my podcast, that was purely a passion project yeah. that then revealed to me that competitors needed this support. So I did a lot of market research with competitors, launched my first competitor focused program, which is the post-show blues program, which evolved into realizing it's a lot more about food and so on and so forth. 2020, I did a few more shows, even with all the cancellations, took time off to build because I'm way too small. And now I'm uh, just under six weeks out from my 10th show. So that's exciting. (laughs) So wow. So you're six weeks out. So what show are you prepping for now? Well, it's funny you mentioned the whole muscle sport production and the spectrum and muscle contest because I'm going to be doing the Contra Classic in Union City. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's in the Bay Area. Not far from you. I know. Yeah. Well, I I used to live in the Bay Area. I So I don't know if I told you this, but I actually moved to Portland back in um, 2021. And so right now I'm currently, oh. so right now I'm currently in my parents' house in my wonderful childhood bedroom that you can see. Uh, so my best friend <laughs> got married cute. two weeks ago and then my sister's graduating from law school next month. So I was just like, you know what? There's no point in flying back and forth. <laughs> but yeah, I did a lot of the muscle, or not muscle contest, the uh, muscle sport production shows just because they were like local to me Mm -hmm. um it was right on the east bay so it was really easy for me to like save money i didn't have to like spend money on a hotel or like transportation or anything like that it was so easy the only times where i've traveled for shows was for the tahoe show that um center podium Mm -hmm. did so that was my last show i did that september 2020 i did the san francisco championship which isn't really in san francisco it was in hayward (laughs) um (laughs) east East bay and then the other show that i did was the golden state in 2019 in sacramento when they were at the mcclellan center which r.i.p Mm -hmm. no longer exists Wow. Yeah. So I've only done four shows. It's funny. Earlier, you talked about how before you had gotten into competing, you mentioned that you didn't have the best relationship with food because a follow up question I was going to ask about competing was if you had any difficulties with like diet and eating before, during or after your competition. It sounds like you kind of dived into that, but I didn't know if there was anything else that you wanted to elaborate on like the struggles because you mentioned that you rebounded after your first show, you gained around 30 pounds. And I can totally relate to that because after my first show, I gained a ton of weight. And I mean, I can tell you all about my first show and, and then just a little bit and like what a hot mess that was. But 
Yeah, I felt like I lost complete control of my body. And I'm still experiencing rebound after the um, Tahoe show. But I wanted to know what kind of other experiences you had, if there's anything else you wanted to elaborate on that. No, I'm definitely looking forward to hearing more about your experiences. And I'm glad that you did because I knew I know I threw a lot at you there. And I was like, (laughs) I rambled and I was like, well, we'll go somewhere with it. Pre competition days, I was like, very disordered in that I would restrict certain foods, I thought certain things were bad. Like I didn't eat salt even usually, which is wow. like crazy to me now because of how vital that is to our life. I would binge on the weekends like crazy. That was like, I'd allow myself like a cheat day yeah, or I'd have that cheat meal mentality. And I'd literally eat from midnight to midnight. Like I would eat, I'd wait. And if people were awake in my house, it would drive me crazy, which is so sad looking back. Cause I would like want people in my house to go away <laughs> so that I could eat. I was just really bad. And that continued post-show. And that happened a few times post-show where rebound as in, and rebound and gaining 30 pounds as in like it was from binging and it was from dishonoring my body and my yeah. goals at the time. But like I've gained more than that in an improvement season where I was even intentional with my weight gain. So I don't want people listening to be like, oh, you can't gain more than X amount because that's not really what we're saying. It's yeah. more so how you do it. And it didn't feel good on my body. So yeah, I think you know, before that, it was just a lot of restriction and then binging. And then after the show that continued, and I was following very strict diet, and I didn't really understand, like the choices I was making or why I was making them. So that that's kind of a look at what that was like for me. I mean, I remember, even in 2018, I did this photo shoot on the beach. And I was like holding out for so long to do this photo shoot because I just did a booth at the Olympia. And then I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this photo shoot. And then I'll finally have a a meal, a cheat meal. I haven't hadn't had one since my show. And I had done back-to-back peak weeks and all this. Well, I go to Krispy Kreme and I get like a box of donuts and it I've been there before, yeah. I can't even like putting myself back in that situation. It was actually dangerous because I got them and I had them in the front seat of my car. And as I was driving home, I was like, well, if I I'll, I'll like started eating them and it hit me and I just like couldn't control myself. And I started eating more and more and I knew what I was doing, but it was so hard to stop. And I was literally driving home. Like, this is crazy that I would do this while I was driving. Cause you know how it can be like an out of body experience, but it was just happening. And then I was like, I kept justifying it. Like, Oh, well, if I have three, then they'll think I only ordered nine, but then I should get four. Cause that's weird. A nine is a weird number. So I should leave it. So there's six. And then I was like, but then I have this bag. So I could just put three. And it was it was crazy. So that's like um, a specific example. But yeah, it was a, it was a rough time for me. Sometimes, yeah. Some of those post show experiences. I know I definitely have done the, the box of donut thing before once I just wanted to stuff my face with donuts. I mean, there was only so much that I could eat in one sitting because I didn't want to like eat myself sick. But no, I completely relate to all of that. I have a question for you. Have you been with the same coach that you've been working with throughout your prep or has it changed? Because I was, I've also wondered, like, because sometimes our coach, even our coaches can contribute to disordered eating. And I've had to go through three coach changes. And I'll talk a little bit more about that as well. So I was curious to know if that impacted you at all. Can I ask when this podcast is being released really quick? Not until June. Okay, so then I'll share. So I can always edit this out too. <laughs> no, I don't want that. I like it that it's very real. It feels good. Like we're just two friends chit-chatting. But so my first coach was Amber Callahan. 
and she was great. You know, she was a, she's an IFBB pro, hired her, um, enjoyed that. It was just my first prep, you know. Then after that, um, she was working with Team Edge at the time. So I joined Team Edge and I had, I have been with them since 2017. So they prep, they prep me every show forever and I adore them. They've become like family to me. So Ingrid has given me so many opportunities with suits and food and posing. And I mean, it's just been amazing. And Joe is the main coach and he's helped me tremendously. And my coaching, the coaching I've received from them has evolved a lot over the years, much of which because of some of the changes I made, I coached myself a lot of my improvement seasons. So I'd work with them for like some of a reverse and then, or none of a reverse and then start up with them later as I got closer to a show. So I did a lot of my own building seasons, but then in my building seasons, I'd take more of a flexible dieting approach and they take more of like a meal plan approach. But in the beginning of my prep this time, I requested to see my macros as well. So I could do that. And I had to, you know, I set my own standards and commitments now, whereas in the past, I'd be too afraid to do that. But I do that now. And then I will say, I'm currently processing a major change, because like I said, they are like family to me, but I've come to realize I need a new approach, I need something different. And it is like, I want to emphasize this so strongly, it is nothing about them. Like, they're amazing. Yeah, I love them. They're family to me for real. And I hope it stays that way even after I tell them because they don't know yet that I'm changing coaches. Um, I see why you asked now. <laughs> yes, because that's a really important conversation Absolutely, for me. Yes, I'll be changing from there to um, Adam Atkinson from See You Later Leaner. And I'm hoping that that experience is really good. It'll be a different approach for sure. So that is the coaching spiel. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And so the reason I I asked you that is because I felt like it had impacted me and my eating. Now, I will say before I got into competing, my relationship with food was never good. But I think that was because I've always been a very picky eater. And I have a lot of sensory issues when it comes to food. So like texture really bothers me. Same. Yeah. And so when I got into grad school, that's when I started to take a look at my body because my first year I kind of let myself go a little bit. And so then I started losing weight and I was able to actually build a little bit of a better relationship with food. I want to say like my last year of grad school is when I had the best relationship with food, which is crazy because I really wish I could get back to that point again. But there were some foods that I was able to not become so averse to, like especially with a lot of vegetables that I just couldn't do at the time. Now, again, it's been easier for me. So that was like a big struggle for me. So then like when I got into competing, similar to you where you saw people doing it, you thought it'd be like a good goal to work for because I had some friends from college doing it. And I was just starting my fitness journey at the time. And so that is basically kind of how I got started. But I knew that I wanted to have a job first just because I I knew it was going to be expensive. And I wanted to make sure I was like mentally in the right place. So once I moved to San Francisco and I got my first job, I started looking at coaches. And I definitely don't like how I looked at it. Like I definitely didn't do as much research as I wanted to. Like I didn't know about like teams that you could be a part of. So I remember I found this blog. I don't, I won't name names. It was so bold of you to name names, but um, there was- Well, cause I have nothing bad to say. Yeah, That's why I yeah. named names because like I genuinely like no bad experiences. So and I don't place fair. any blame or anything. That's why I'm comfortable with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's totally fair. And I want to say, at least with my first coach, 
she was very nice. You know, she was really good about communicating with me. She did check-ins. And so we did a macros diet. And I liked that I had that flexibility, but I just felt like she didn't prepare me very well. So I found her through her blog and she was pretty inexpensive. She was like $200 a month. So it was something that I could afford. And so at that time, I felt like she was more of like a natural competitor and I was doing NPC. And so there are some things that are different, especially when it came to like posing and I guess different things that they do for processes and how they prepare for peak week and whatnot. Like I wasn't even allowed to eat like any like fun candies for pump up. I think my meal, and this was before I was a vegetarian, I had to eat nothing but like chicken and oats during my show day. It was so miserable and gross. And I was so jealous of all the competitors who at least got like some sort of chocolate or candy that they could eat while they pumped up and I had to eat rice cakes like bland rice cakes and I remember how miserable I was I missed my finals of novice that night because I misheard the time oh my first show was a hot ass mess my posing was terrible it just part of me part of that was on me for missing part of the finals I mean I didn't place regardless. But at the time, I just felt like my coach didn't prepare me very well. So I knew that I didn't want to work with her anymore. I didn't want to reverse with her. She did give me a plan to reverse out to give me like, hey, here's a guideline for like how much you should be eating, especially if you want to do another show in the summer, because I was almost considering it. And then I ended up not doing it. So I took all of basically the rest of 2018 off. And then I hired a new coach, which is somebody that I had met at my gym in San Francisco. We had connected and she is a very respectable competitor. She now um, competes in a different division. So I'll say that just because I want to keep it anonymous. But yeah, we got very close. We stayed on touch on Instagram and I saw that she was starting her own coaching business and she was also still affordable for me. And so she was my coach for the past, I guess, for all of 2019, and then my coach for the Tahoe show. So I did three shows with her. And so she had me on a meal plan. And I'm not gonna lie. And I guess it's just because I was a little bit blind to it. And I didn't know how to confront her about it, because I really wanted to respect her and her process. And I had came to her for help. But the meal plans were really restrictive. I was not at a good baseline, even when I first started. I remember there were times in my plan where it was really, really restrictive. I remember when I was prepping for the Tahoe show and I was getting closer and closer, my roommates were really concerned. They're like, Alana, all you're eating is egg whites and vegetables like six times a day. Like this is really, really concerning. And I was just like, it's fine. It's fine. Like this is normal. And it really wasn't normal because when I did end up putting all the food in like my fitness pal to see like how much I was really eating, I was eating around like 800 calories, which is mm, which is not good. Like you should be eating more on that. Even for contest prep, that's still very mm-hmm. low. And she was making me do tons and tons and tons of cardio. And I was training during the pandemic. So I had no gym access. Everything was done at home. I was doing all the weights that I had. And I think that I lost too much muscle mass that I lost my glutes and that's what really docked me at the Tahoe show. And so now I guess here I'll name drop. Now I'm with Fit Body Fusion and um, Shelby Pierce is my coach. I, oh, nice. Yeah, I know. She's really awesome. I'm going to be picking up coaching back again in May. Um, sh- I had to take a break because back in January, my mental health got really bad. And there was a part where I just was not, I just wasn't focused because I want to say 
in like the summer 2021, my ADHD started to become really bad. My anxiety became really bad. And that is when I started to experience a lot of weight gain. My medications really screwed up with me. And I felt like I was letting Shelby down because I was gaining so much weight. I wasn't hitting the gym as I went. So then I had to be real with myself. And I was like, Shelby, I don't want to like waste your time right now. I still want to work with you. But is it possible that I take a break to get my shit together? And she said, yes, that's fine. I'm really sad to hear this because she tried to do everything that she could to help me. I mean, I was doing hormone checks. I got the lab work done and it was great to get results back because I remember I found out that I was really low on testosterone, which didn't really surprise mm-hmm. me, which is why I was having a hard time gaining muscle mass. So I've probably gained about 38 pounds since the Tahoe show. I'm 5'1", so I was around 102 pounds on stage, which is the lowest I had ever been. It was definitely the best package that I brought, but I definitely feel a little bit insecure about my body now as I'm around 140 pounds. I don't look like it, but it definitely makes me feel insecure, and it definitely shows when I do check-in pictures, but I do know that I have gained mass. And I do think when I am ready to compete again, which is hopefully probably sometime in 2023, I think more that muscle mass will show, which is, I guess, a benefit of gaining weight in some capacity, because at least it gives you some more muscle growth and I have better shape. That's just kind of the experiences. So that's why I had asked about the coaching, because I felt like a lot of my disordered eating came from some of the coaching experiences that I had, at least my first two, because I definitely liked going back onto a macros diet again. It just felt so nice to be able to eat whatever I wanted as long as it fit. Yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing your experiences because I think that's really relatable for people listening. And I know personally, like, I I don't know that I ever felt super restricted. I know it was on some restrictive plans and stuff, but I always felt like the purpose behind it. And I came to realize it's so much more about what's happening like up here and our intention behind the decisions we're making and being okay with doing what's best for us. Sometimes we feel like, like you were saying with your second coach, like you feel like you had to trust this process, even though you knew once you kind of plugged in the numbers that it was wrong and not the best for you. It's it's that weird athlete in us that's like, do what your coach says, because that's going to get you the results. And if you trust someone and so I get that. And I think it's great that you're working with someone that can see through and help you with where you're at now. And I I do want to, I don't know if this is encouraging at all, but like I'll share that I, in my last improvement season gain, I think I gain weight usually more than what most competitors do. I also am a natural athlete. So So I think that, Yeah, it makes a difference. And I think like, I don't know enough to speak on that. But I will say like in my last improvement season, I intentionally was like building, building, building. And I got up to 159. And not that I would do that again in the future. But I also wasn't like, it didn't feel it wasn't from binging. It wasn't from overeating. It wasn't from any of that. There were definitely some unfortunate things that happened in my life that probably led to extra and trauma, like major trauma. But looking on that experience, now I see my body and I'm prepping a new body. Like I'm prepping a bigger body, but I'm 142 last time I checked right now Mm -hmm. at like just under six weeks out. And that's kind of crazy to me because looking back at USA's, which was my last show, I was like 111, which is so psycho because I was I was genuinely way too small. How tall are you really quick? I'm 5'4". 5'4", okay. 
yeah so like I definitely can like gain and I can I got really small you know now I'm just like I'm prepping a new body if I get ready great if not I know I'm gonna keep improving with every show I think we just have to get comfortable with and I see this happen a lot with the competitors I work with they get so far in that I'm too far gone not saying this is you but I'm sure people will relate but I'm too far gone that there's no point in going after my goals so I'm gonna keep binging or eating or not chasing it whereas rather than letting that go and saying, well, I'll just treat this like a new body going through a new experience with a new mentality. Don't try to get, not you again. I'm, I'm saying this. I don't want no, you to feel I good. know exactly. What you, <laughs> I know what you're doing. And I, even if you were, yes. I don't feel bad because it's like, I, I know what this whole experience is like. I feel like that's like the beauty of competitors. Just like you, everyone can relate to each other because of stuff yes. like this. Exactly. So like I'm saying, don't go back to the track that you guys were once on in the past, because if you had to get back on track, it wasn't the track for you. So being willing to make changes like you were talking about, like being willing to change the process is important because if you keep trying to get back on the same track, that's crazy. It's not going to work for you. It's better to develop a new track with every single step being the next best one for you with consideration for where you're at now. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when I had to break up with my second coach, because again, she was my friend, I was really nervous and scared. And I got emotional when and like this was during peak week where I had to tell her the the news because I had I had signed the contract with Fit Body Fusion. And so I did this and I just want to let you know, you know, I'm so grateful. I was about to like cry and got emotional, but she took it very well. I mean, you know, Mm. she said that it was actually really good feedback for her on her. And so I'm so, so glad that it went a lot better than I thought it was. But, you know, we still grind. We finished out peak week. You know, we were very communicative throughout the process. She unfortunately wasn't allowed to come to my show for a personal reason. So I was all by myself during the Tahoe show, which was the first because I've always had someone out in the Mm. audience to support me. So I went in that show feeling a little discouraged because there was no one there to like cheer me on. But it was the best package that I brought. I did walk away with a medal, which did feel really good because I really worked my ass off during that um, prep. It was probably one of the hardest preps I had to do. So that did feel pretty good. That is something that, you know, I have to remind myself. Another thing, what I like about working with Shelby is that some people, they have a really good friendship with their coach. I wouldn't say I'm very close with Shelby. You know, I talk to her when I have my problems or when I need guidance. And I know like other clients, they love their coaster, like best friends. And I mean, for me, like, you know, I'm okay with the boundaries of like being her client and being like seeing her as a mentor. And I'm wondering like if having my previous coach, maybe like the fact that I had gone too close, like, I don't know if that did anything with my prep. I just like having somebody who actually can just teach me and give me guidance. And I feel like that kind of gives me success. I don't know. Does that make sense with what I'm trying to Mm -hmm. say? Yeah, it's good to have that reflection on yourself and like what works best for you. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, right now, like I said, I when I get back to Portland, I definitely can't wait to pick things back up again. Because I think now that I've gotten my meds regulated, because one thing that did contribute to my weight gain was an anxiety medicine. I was taking Zoloft. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, I just I gained so much weight. and I had to stop that. Now I'm on a new anxiety medicine and I don't gain weight from it. So It's nice to figure out what was going to regulate my body because that shit can really impact like your dieting. And I take ADHD medicine and that's and I deal with appetite suppression all the time. And I had to get my macros adjusted Mm -hmm. even lower with Shelby. I'm like, Shelby, my meds, what's going on? But like, you know, she was always so patient with me to like 
figure out what was going on. So I'm I'm really excited to get back mm. on prep again and try and cut a little bit without feeling too restrictive. So yeah, that's kind that's, awesome. that's literally my experience in a nutshell of what I'm doing. So we talked a little bit more about like what made you want to go into coaching competitors and helping them without with food. But I didn't know if there was anything else that like sparked you. Was it just because you were competing yourself? Or was it because of something else? Well, there was a major gap in the industry um, hmm. where this wasn't being addressed. That's and true. I felt like Mm-hmm. And it, I still will say I'm unapologetic about the fact that I am the best person in the in the competition world to address mental health. Hell yes! I 100% believe this. I've said that before and people are like, oh, well, that's like a bold statement. And it's like, yeah, but it's true. And I want to reiterate as well, like, I don't want to be the best because I'm the only one. I want to be the best because I'm actually the most reliable, trustworthy. I can educate. I can support. Like, that's what's important to me. So with that said, I saw this gap in the industry. I It came from the podcast, talking to so many pros who had struggled with this or were struggling with it, and then having girls messaging me because that podcast freaking, it blew up. It was amazing because it was the first of its kind in the bikini world. And I was grateful for that. And it revealed a lot of needs that weren't being addressed yeah. when I launched that podcast. It was to get that real raw stuff happening under the surface for these athletes and that led me to a conclusion of like, I do this for other people. My mission was always help people build more than just a body. Why am I not helping bodybuilders? What the heck? So that's really what sparked the whole bring this to the competition world. And it just, it was like, I, I don't know how to describe it, but you know, when you feel like you find exactly what you're meant to be doing and supposed to where you're supposed to be, like, it was almost as though and I have, I remember getting my first two clients and being like, the clouds have opened up and people doubted me, girl. Like people were like, this is such a small niche. No one's going to buy. Nobody cares. They're not going to trust you because you have, uh, they have their own coaches and their coaches are going to have resistance to referring people to you. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. But, and I just went for it and it has been amazing. And like coaches are really receptive. Coaches refer people to me. Like <laughs> girls are receptive to it. They're willing to invest in their mental health. It's changing it's amazing. So not only was I inspired to start, but I am more inspired to keep going. I love that. And I definitely agree with what you said. I do think you kind of are the go-to person. You're the authority figure of building um, a better relationship with food, especially for competitors. But I do believe you do offer regular services to those who just want to better their relationship with food in general, if I, if I am correct. Because I yeah. think I saw that on your website. And I think that's great because competitors just aren't the only people who struggle with disordered eating and wanting to change their mindset. But I do agree with you. And I'm glad you saw that gap because that's exactly how people blow up on the internet in like whatever kind of space, because someone sees a gap, they know that there's an audience that they can reach out to. And that's genius. That's exactly what you should be doing. And I'm so glad that it your podcast blew up when it did. So that kind of leads me into the next thing about your podcast. So, I mean, I, I listen to your, I listen to your podcast and it's always really interesting to hear pros stories and how they got started and them being really vulnerable, especially when some of them will admit to taking steroids because it's so taboo. Like we know it happens, but they don't want to admit to it. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm all natural. Like, to be honest with you, I don't even know how the hell to even get my hands on steroids, nor do I, (laughs) nor do I even care. (laughs) I love that. 
nor do I even care. I'm perfectly fine being natural. I will do whatever it takes to lose the weight and whatever. But what I wanted to know was, was the purpose of your podcast to just originally um, allow competitors to talk more about like post-show blues or was it more about like just the dieting and I was also curious to know as to why you chose to do IFBB pros specifically Ooh, okay so uh was running on the treadmill in my garage one day saw a package of Oreos in front of me and I was like damn like I wonder if pros ever like deal with this where are they running on the treadmill working their ass off knowing they're not gonna have like do they have those struggles? Do they have those thoughts? And then I was thinking like, I started scrolling on competitors pages that I admired or looked up to who are IFBB pros. And I was like, why do I not know more about them? And why, why is the industry not shining more light on them? And at this time, bikini was booming even more. I felt like bikini was bringing a lot of attention right now. I think it's like wellness is doing a really good job. Um, and that's thanks to JM. But like, I think that bikini was really booming. And I was like, we need more lights on these women. They're amazing. Yeah. Why do we not know more about them and their life outside of competing? So it was also kind of selfish to be honest, because there was this quote that a mentor and now really close friend of mine always said, which was success leaves clues. So I said, well, I want to be an IFBB bikini pro. And if success leaves clues, I should talk to them. And imagine I get to have a phone call with these IFBB bikini pros and pick their brain, but also have an incredible experience talking to them and give that to other people who are like me wondering the same thing and who haven't been able to find it online, like through social media. So that's what sparked it. It was that and that's why I did the IFBB Bikini Pros only. Whether or not it stays that way, I'm not sure. I've been really committed to the integrity of the podcast with the exception of like some coaches series or health series. I but... like the coaches series. I think because they, they, they train the pros. So it's always cool to hear their perspective on how they get people to pro levels. Well, that's encouraging. I, I should consider doing it again because sometimes I get flack for it, to be honest. Oh, that's like, so I've got. I know, but I have, like, I uh, swear, it's, it's hard, like, that's, and you've probably experienced this too, but sometimes, like, you get uh, feedback that's not so great, and you're like, yeah. oh, was that a bad man? Like, was it? But, yeah, um, I, I'm really committed to, I think, keeping the integrity of the bikini pros. I just love the bikini division, and it's like, that's where I want to go, and I still really admire them. Maybe I'll do wellness weeks, or I'll do, like, I've thought about doing even men's weeks with male bodybuilders, so... It uh, just depends on what kind of networking I can do in the industry and where I see it going. But yeah. yeah, that's what inspired it. No, that's that's really awesome. There are tons and tons and tons of pros out there. And I feel like you could never really run out of content with, <laughs> with pros because people are always gaining pro cards. You have to keep up with the news of like who got their pro card at nationals this week. And that gives you more content. And if like somebody says, no, I don't want to be on podcast. Okay, well, whatever. It's always a cool opportunity for them to share their story because it's still a very small niche field, even though like there's hundreds and thousands of competitors out there, there's always going to be people doing this sport, regardless of how small it is. And that's something that's really cool. I was always curious just because I know like you were so focused on the pros. So it's really cool to hear the why behind that. It sounds like nobody's asked you that before, have they? 
I don't recall talking much about the podcast or the reasoning behind it. So I appreciated that question. That's awesome. Moving aside from the podcast, let's talk a little bit about impact and um, like personal development. Mm -hmm. What would you say have you found to be the most impactful when it comes to changes or terms of personal development or other elements that help those who are struggling with food like Do you have like specific methods that you use? I'm also curious to learn a little bit more about your services and just kind of like how you break it down for your clients. Okay. Well, the most impactful things I'd say are education at the start, for sure. We have to understand why is this important to us? What is the reasoning behind it? And then that can change and challenge some of our current belief systems, take things out of context. So if we have the education behind the fact that you can heal your relationship with food while achieving your fitness goals, suddenly that opens up a whole new world. So I think education is really important, just educating people that is possible. Um, I also take the approach of discovery. So I have all my clients go through a, at least in the five week food relationship program, they go through a discovery phase where they are digging into their relationship with food, current beliefs, current behaviors, past experiences, um, things that they maybe fear, things that they want to improve on, ideal, unideal. Like it's a whole deep dive. And we do that first so that we have something to have, we have a measuring stick. So by the end of the five weeks, we can look back and say, dang, look how far you came. Like you actually have your ideal relationship with food now. Um, In the process of it, it's a lot of mindfulness-based eating strategies that I've developed specifically for people with fitness goals or people with some sort of focus outside of, like, I know I work with non-competitors as well. So I'm trying to just share this carefully so they understand that I do help them as well. I did develop it with athletes in mind though. Yeah. So this is to help bring more awareness and connection to the body and the decisions being made. This is something that happens not only in the competition world, but lifestyle world as well, which is people go on autopilot mode. So my goal with mindfulness-based eating strategies that I've developed for this population is to get them out of autopilot mode, get them connected to their decisions outside of, I do it because it's on my plan or because it fits my macros. So we're coming out of those ways of thinking about food and we're considering other beliefs that can align with their ideal relationship with food. Everyone's ideal relationship with food might look different. I notice there's a lot of similarities usually with people that I work with, but there's differences. So when I'm working with someone, it's very individual. It's like, what's going to help this person get to their ideal relationship with food and what beliefs are currently keeping them from being there and what behaviors as well. So we might, we implement so many things. Like it's not just journaling. It's not just daily reflection. It's not just the mealtime rituals I'm having them do, but it's specific hands-on strategies. So if someone's struggling, with a particular food. I might introduce them to some psychoeducation around normalization. If they're struggling with emotions, then we go to the food and mood chart that I've created. And if anyone's kind of like curious what this looks like, I do have that free food relationship coaching series. It's eight days. That's on celestial.fit slash food series. That's a lot of psychoeducation I provide because I could talk all day, but I provide a lot of psychoeducation in that eight days, um, as well as hands-on resources. So like you get a full PDF workbook to work through as well. And it's like I said, it's free for real. I don't even, I'm not even a hard sell. So anyway, that's something that you can go through, but that's really my process is bringing people into their body and into their decisions, focusing on body image as well. So we're taking it out of 
the judgment context because we are used to being judged by a particular criteria yeah. and doing every single thing. You know, like especially competitors, my criteria is bigger shoulders, bigger glutes, tiny waist. So if every day you wake up and you're looking in the mirror for those things, it can be really confronting when they're not there. So I like to help people go outside of that. And then lastly, a big part of the processes that I take all my clients through, whether it's the food relationship program or the post-show program, or just one-on-one coaching like this is values and alignment from goals and values. So we do a deep dive into what are their core values and how does that connect to their goals and then ways that they can work every single day to fulfill those values. So it's not just, I'm going after fitness and competition goals, but It's also, I'm working to live a very fulfilling and empowering life along the way. I love that. I mean, gosh, I feel like I need to utilize your um, resources because- Yes, let's do it. At least it's good that you have free resources too, but sometimes I definitely need that one-on-one coaching because I mean, I do go to therapy, but my therapist can't really help me with the food stuff. That's more of your focus because like you are in the process of getting licensed to be a counselor and you actually have the credentials to help people with this. And I think you said you had a degree in nutrition before, correct? So my associate's degree, I emphasize clinical nutrition and dietetics and did that for an extra year before changing to psychology. So yes. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> but I don't offer nutrition consulting at all. Right. And that, no, that makes sense. Cause there's a difference between like nutrition consulting and then mindset and counseling of therapy to actually work on your relationship with food. Like it's more of like therapy really than like being a dietitian or something that because that's not what you do. It's it's completely different. Right. And I don't even sell therapy, you know, like I don't even sell counseling because I can't. That, yeah, and, and that's true. You know, so like just to be because definitions and statements yes, and all that please, matter. Please which correct is, me if I'm if I'm wrong or anything. <laughs> it's okay. I just don't want people to contact me and be like, I'm here for counseling and right. be like, well, it's personal development coaching. It's it's just something. So yeah, but the It's funny you say that too, because the techniques I utilize and the skills I have is from the psychology and counseling world. So I don't sell counseling, but you can expect that when you're working with me, you're going to see things like DBT, REBT, CBT, you know, a little bit. I feel like that's very basic in the psych already in the personal development world. But yeah, like um, the way I speak with people, the way I connect people, you probably hear that in the podcast. Like it sounds like Socratic questioning and open questions and motivational interviewing. So it does come out because it's part of me now. So yeah, well, and the reason I brought up your credentials and I really admire that you have credentials and a background in like counseling is because I am very like anti-coach in a sense that there are so many people out there who call themselves like, it's mostly like dating coaches, finance coaches, and career coaches, because with dating coaches, most of them don't have like a counseling or family therapy background. They've never, there's a lot of them aren't even in relationships. They don't like, there's nothing that makes them qualified for them to be a coach. Like just because you're a writer, a thought leader, that doesn't make you qualified career coaches. So as a technical recruiter, they very, they really piss me off because they give off like so much shitty advice about how to get hired. And it's like, bitch, you've never worked in recruiting a day in their life. How would you know this is our process? You like, there's just a lot of misinformation out there. When someone who calls himself a coach, like I take it with a grain of salt because I'm like, well, what are your credentials? Like what makes you qualified? And that's why I can trust you because you have the background and the qualifications and the experience and the competition experience to make you very qualified. And that's why I say you are the subject matter expert or an authority figure for this niche because of 
your credentials and the results that you produce. And it just makes you very credible. Yeah. And so that's why I was like so excited to talk to you about this because (laughs) you really have made such an impact on so many competitors, especially with your podcast. And I just only see it going up for you from here. I'm I'm, I'm very excited to see what comes next for you. And especially within your um, prep experience, it's, it's really cool. Oh, me too, you. I'm so happy that we've connected. This is so cool for me as well. Absolutely. I do have one more question for you. Yeah, anything. Um, so what would you say is the best advice for someone who is starting out maybe on a reverse from a show or dealing with a negative relationship for food? Just so we're catering to different audiences here in case they're not competing. Mm-hmm. Let me think about this. Totally, best. totally, totally, <laughs> totally take your time. Okay. So if you're struggling with your reverse diet post-show, I'll start there. Set new standards and commitments for yourself. Take yourself out of prep mentality. Stop trying to be the prep version of you. Set some realistic standards for your improvement season. If you are binging and you're eating 5,000 calories over, talk to your coach about getting a bump to 2,500 calories above, especially if that binging is coming from being hungry. That's a more practical piece of advice. But first and foremost, set new standards and intentions for this new phase and really get clear. When I say standards and intentions, I mean like get clear on what you want to experience. So ask yourself, how do I want to feel at the end of each day, each week, and at the end of this season? And what will allow me to do that? So if that involves family connection, if it involves uh, particular physique changes, if it involves life experiences, make sure that's considered in those expectations. That's for people. so important. Thank you. Yeah, I think so too, because we get stuck in that prep mentality. Like I have to do exactly what I was doing in prep in order to be successful because it's been reinforced for all these months. And that's not true. Things need to change. I know. I remember when I switched coaches because I was so used to the meal plan and my I basically could only eat certain things. Part of me had definitely felt a little guilty once I had that flexibility, but it took time for that guilt to go away. And I guess like can't really give any nutrition advice. My only advice that I can tell people is baby baby steps. And I guess, as you mentioned, talk to your coach when you struggle, let them know if you're getting hunger pains. I remember my first two weeks of reversing was so hard. And I remember Shelby told me I was going to be hungry because I was going from 800 calories and she bumped it up to like 1100. And she's like, I know this is still really low and still under your baseline, but you ate such little calories. I just want your body to get used to this. It was just crazy how the transition was like the snap of your fingers. Because when I was eating 800 calories, I didn't feel starving until like my calories increased. And I'm like, holy shit. My body is now recognizing that it was like starving this whole time. And I just got like used to it. Yeah. And then your metabolism's like, keep feeding me, keep feeding me. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, I did very well my first four months of reversing. And then Once I moved to Portland, I got a little distracted, but I was still going to the gym. And then it wasn't until summer 2021 where just shit hit the fan for me. So I take it baby steps at a time. Even though I felt very guilty about going off plan, I knew that my coach was very understanding. And at least like I was in my reverse. And it's important to have a coach who is very aware of mental health issues and working with that. Because for me, I mentioned I have ADHD and it is very disruptive to my life and my diet. And so when I had to talk to Shelby, because then it got to a point where my meds were starting to suppress my appetite and I started telling her, I can't 
meet my macros. I can barely eat food. So that was another reason as to why I had to take a break. So I'm letting, so now my body's starting to get used to like the meds. Recognize when something is bothering you, whether it's mentally or physically or emotionally. Talk to your coach, talk to doctors as well. So go to therapy. That's another thing. Like I tell people go to therapy because I definitely utilized a therapist all the time when I was on prep. The times where I could cry to where I felt like I couldn't cry to my coach just because like there are certain things that my coach is meant for and coaches aren't meant for. Yes. Yeah. So that's That's how I handled it. That's a good way to good way to do it and good advice. Yeah, absolutely. I have really enjoyed this conversation and I appreciate your openness of just like how you had been unapologetically being that person to be that authority figure in like the mental health space of competition of the competition world and also in terms of like the disordered eating world and helping competitors have a better mindset and others to build a better relationship with food. It's been really eye-opening. And I hope those who are listening, whether you compete or not, that this can encourage you. Try to take baby steps and know you're not alone in this process. And I hope like it gets better for you. Celeste, if people are interested in your services and even your social media, where can they find you? So all my services and free resources can be found at www.celestial.fit. And my Instagram is celestial underscore fit. And I'm also on Pinterest, YouTube, Facebook, all that. So you could just find me through Celeste Rains Turk. But Instagram is a good place to start. Awesome. And I will have the links to all of her social media handles and her podcast as well if you're interested in taking a listen to um, Confessions of Bikini Pros as well. Yay. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. And guys, if you have an unapologetic experience that you want to share with me, feel free to email the podcast at shamelesslyunapologeticpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at shamelessly unapologetic. And with that, I will see you next week with a brand new episode. Bye.